0: What is true worship? I asked myself that question yesterday afternoon as we worshiped the Lord in a church east of El Paso, Texas. You see, true worship is not just an emotional high-energy experience. But true worship reaches to the very depths of our soul and touches every aspect of our being in fact worship can convict us of sin and lead us to repent worship can confirm a scripture or a specific word from the lord worship can inspire us to reach for new heights of service to the lord worship can lead us into the very throne room of grace And such is the power of the sincere worship that, in some mysterious way, worship even touches the heart of Almighty God. So much so that in the book of Zechariah, chapter 14 and verse 17, the prophet declared that if any of the people of the earth Listen to this. If any of the people of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord God Almighty, they will have no rain. In other words, God receives us and blesses us on the basis of our worship to his name. Just as the Lord responds to our prayers, he is also moved. To rain blessings on us through our faithful worship, and we know this because in 1 Kings chapter 3 verses 4 and 5, God does this with King Solomon. The Bible says, "Now the king went to give the unto sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar." At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? Now notice that God wants to bless King Solomon on the basis of his worship. It says Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings upon the altar. As a result of that worship, giving his also worship, as a, res- as a result of that worship and giving those a thousand sacrifices, It caught God's attention because Solomon didn't just bring one or ten or twenty. He brought a thousand. And he does this on verse four and on verse five, God says, ask, what shall I give you? Can you imagine if you come here and you enter into true worship? The Bible says that God will ask you, what do you want? See, we don't understand sometimes that the Bible is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So you need to understand that what the Lord did for Daniel, what the Lord did for Moses, what the Lord did for Zechariah, what the Lord did for David, what the Lord did for uh, Solomon, He still does for you and for me. And if you bring an extravagant worship, it moves God to say, what do you want me to give you? So there is something in true worship that actually moves the heart of Almighty God. And it must be true worship because in Matthew chapter 15, uh, verses 8 through 9, the Lord rebukes vain worship. There is true worship, but there's also vain worship. Because in Matthew, the Lord says, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me. Somebody say amen. So it's possible to worship the Lord in vain. So what is true worship? Today we're going to find out or you're going to find out if your worship is true worship or vain worship. Somebody say amen. King Solomon reveals the answer to this question in verse 6. Watch this. When God said to the king in verse 5, ask what shall I give you? Solomon says this in verse 6. It says, Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Wow, when I read this, I just about fell off my chair. I don't know if you caught it, but the wisest man here, King Solomon, reveals something powerful here. Now, watch this. So God asked them, Ask me, what shall I give you? And Solomon does not actually respond or acknowledge God's question. God says, ask me what you want. And King Solomon does not acknowledge that question. Solomon responds, you have shown great mercy to your servant, David, my father. You have continued this great kindness for him and you have given him a son to sit on the throne. See, that's not the response to the question. The question is, what shall I give you? Oh, you have shown great kindness to my father and to me. If it was me, i say, that's not what I asked you. But King Solomon is revealing here what true worship is. How so? Watch this. King Solomon, his response does not acknowledge what he wants. God is asking him, what do you want? Now, see, this is why we have to really ask the Lord to show us something here. Because did the Lord not know what Solomon wanted? God is omniscient. The Bible says that he knows what's going to come out of your mouth before he comes out. So the first question you need to answer yourself is the Lord is not asking. The Lord is not asking because he doesn't know what Solomon wants. God knows what Solomon wants. So why is he asking? Doesn't it irritate you when the kids know? the answer and they still come and ask you and you just look at them and you just, really? Are you really asking me that? So God asks, what is it that you want? <clears throat> and Solomon doesn't acknowledge that uh, question, <clears throat> but, but his response is where true worship begins because his response recognizes who God is. In other words, True worship is the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is in our lives' priorities. Let me say that again. True worship is the priority we place on who God is in our lives and where God is in our lives' priorities. That's what true worship is. See, the king, uh, hallelujah, tells the Lord, uh, you've been good to my daddy. You bless King David. Uh, You bless me, his son. Uh, And I want to thank you uh, for your mercy uh, because you, Lord, uh, have been very merciful to me. And all I want to tell you, Lord, is that I don't even have uh, the right to be king uh, over your chosen people. But you have been good to me. Yes, Lord, what do I want? Uh, It doesn't matter what I want. Uh, Hold on matters is that you're king of kings and lord of lords all that matters is that you're a merciful god hallelujah a true god hallelujah a caring god hallelujah and god and god is just smiling because uh, see that's what he wanted to hear can you imagine that son daughter what do you want i don't want nothing daddy you're just a good daddy you're just a wonderful daddy you're just a powerful daddy and after you woke up because you fainted hallelujah you go woo. Can you imagine? I mean, I just imagine because none of my kids ever said that to me. Father, you're such a good father. Yesterday, Krista told me that I was good looking. But that's because she wanted lunch. She got the lunch. Out of the seven kids, Krista is the one that knows how to get stuff out of me. And I've told the other ones, and the other ones still don't get it. Krista does, man. She just boom, 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 boom. And by the time I'm done, I'm like, did I just do that? My grandkids on the other on the other hand, they just have to look at me. But I said you don't need to say anything here. But here's some more. <laughs> but okay, you need to stop asking, here it is and Solomon doesn't acknowledge what he wants he says you're a good God you're a wonderful God you're a wonder working God and the king sets a pattern of worship that first declares and acknowledges who God is instead of what he can do or, uh, uh, or give his servant hallelujah somebody say amen and this my brother this my sister is true worship that God wants from his people hallelujah you see today uh, true worship uh, is lacking in the church hallelujah and I say this because we have uh, grown accustomed to only praise God and not really worship Him. Let me say that again. We do praise God, and the praise is powerful, and the praise is good, but worship takes us to another level. Somebody say amen. In fact, the church of this generation loves to praise God. They love to praise the Lord, so much so that they haven't recognized that they're losing the power of true worship. See, there is a difference between God's praise and true worship. God's praise says, Thank you, Jesus. Uh, glory to God. Uh, hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. Uh, hallelujah. You are worthy to be praised. Uh, you are worthy to be magnified. Uh, glory and honor in your name. Hallelujah. And there is nothing wrong with praising God. Uh, hallelujah. There is nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, but this is not true worship uh, because praise only acknowledges uh, what God does. Uh, somebody say amen. Praise says, uh, thank you, Jesus, for the job. Uh, thank you, Lord, for the blessings. Uh, thank Thank you for delivering me from that addiction. Thank you for taking me out of that horrible situation. And thank you for my family and for my health and for my church and for my marriage. And those that are about to get married, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to get married. And praise does not move the heart of God because praise only works in the level of receiving something from God. And if you don't receive something or things don't work out the way you want them to work out, then there's no praise. And there's no shouting, and there's no dancing. In fact, Christians only know how to praise God as long as they are not going through some kind of hardship, through some kind of problem, and through some kind of bad circumstance as long as they are treated right they clap their hands and they dance about as long as they have what they want they sing the songs but as soon as problems and hardships hallelujah come their way as soon as difficulties arise as soon as something goes wrong hallelujah they won't sing the songs anymore they won't clap their hands anymore they won't lift up their voices as the evening sacrifice and render the calves of their lips unto the Lord they stop coming to church and the Bible says whoso will come up to Worship uh, the King, uh, the Lord of hosts, uh, upon them shall be no reign. In other words, uh, no worship, no blessing. But true worship is not so. Because true worship recognizes who God is. True worship acknowledges God as God in spite of what we receive or not. Worship recognizes who our God is whether he answers or not, whether he provides or not. Because when God's people truly worship God, they get past the tokens of praise uh, down to specifics with the Lord and declare, though he slay me, yet uh, will I trust him today God is looking for true worshipers uh, that will worship him uh, in spirit and in truth uh, hallelujah worshipers like Shadrach, uh, Meshach and Abednego who declared before King Nebuchadnezzar they said if we are thrown into the blazing furnace hallelujah the God we serve is able to save us from the furnace uh, he says and rescue us from your hand but uh, hallelujah if he does not uh, we want you to know Nebuchadnezzar oh king that we will not uh, Serve your gods or worship your image. uh, If he saves us uh, or if he doesn't save us, we're still going to worship. And we're still going to magnify and glorify the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. We're going to worship him in the good times and in the bad times. uh, In the cold and in the hot. uh, Hallelujah. In the fiery furnace. uh, Hallelujah. In fact, uh, we're not just going to worship him. He's going to come down and worship with us uh, in the middle of the fire. Because that's what worship does. If the Lord delivers us from the fire, praise God. But if he doesn't deliver us from the fire, blessed be the name of the Lord anyway. Because he is God and God alone. Praise, shouts, thank you Lord for opening the door. True worship declares, thank you Lord for closing them also. Praise will shout, thank you Jesus for my job. Worship will declare, thank you Lord for not giving me that job. Hallelujah. The Lord, hallelujah, is looking for worshipers that will declare, even though the doctors say I got cancer and I only have one month to live, I want to give you, God, all the glory and all the praise because you didn't heal me. Hallelujah. Uh, Though my wife left me and my husband betrayed me, I want to give you honor because you didn't leave me like they left me. Uh, Somebody say, man, despite the fact uh, that everything is falling apart in my life, you're still my king of kings and my lord of lords and king solomon moved the heart of god because he worshiped him for who he was and if you choose to worship god today tell him he is your everything he's your all in all god you're my going in and my going out and in spite of your circumstances and in spite of your situations. You too will move the heart of God because you will acknowledge who he is. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first, the last, the one that was and is and is to come. The Prince of Peace, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. He's my Jehovah Jireh, my Jehovah Nisi, my Jehovah Shalom, my Jehovah Sidkenu. Hallelujah. But what do you want from God? Uh, my God is, is uplifted. My God is almighty. He's omniscient, omnipotent, omnipotent. Hallelujah. But what do you want from God? My God is the rose of Sharon. Hallelujah. My God is the bright morning star. But what do you want from God? I just want God. We can hide things in our hearts so people can't see them. But we fail to understand one thing. That the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, So is he. So if you hide things in your hearts, you're still going to become what your heart is. And see, and praise, praise. I can pay a professional actor to come into this church and just pray the heck out of us and praise the heck out of us. I can pay an actor and he can run the aisles and you can watch him and can maybe motivate you to do something like that or, you know, Wake us up or something. But I paid him. Whereas worship. Worship is a lifestyle. What do you mean by lifestyle? Whenever something happens to us. And we are of the mentality. Or the character woe is me. What does that say? That it's all about you. And people get mad. mad. And Solomon was saying to God. When God says. What do you want me to give you? Solomon was saying. It's not about me God. It's so obvious, why? Because he took a thousand sacrifices. Somebody told me one time, well, he was just trying to impress God. Exactly, because it's about God. When you when you're trying to to win that sister, you're impressing left and right. That's what I tell you, sisters. Take a picture; it's going to last longer. But that's that's the point. First of all, God sees him coming with a thousand sacrifices, and he's going all right. And he saw what was in his heart. He says. But I want to draw out what is in his heart. How how does he draw it out? What do you want? See, in his heart, God did not see what he wanted. In his heart, God saw that it was all about him. So God looks at Solomon's heart and says, man, it's all about me. Even though he's king, I'm sitting in that throne right now. What do you want? Solomon says, not about me. You've been good to my daddy. You've been good to my granddaddy, whoever he was. You've been good to me. It's not about me, Jesus, it's about you. You know why the grandkids, you know, I we joke around, but it's true. Why why is it that you know that you know I, I I've heard my kids say, you know, that's not the that's not the father raised me. I don't know who this man is. That gives you all this stuff and lets you do all that stuff. I do not know who that man is. What they don't understand is that grandkids, grandkids It's another dimension. Kids love you, but grandkids take it to another level. My grandkids, especially right now, the ones that can express themselves. My granddaughter, Sophia, she sees me. She runs and she hugs me. She comes and she sits uh, uh, on my chair with me. And the first thing that comes out of her mouth, you know what it is? I love you, tata. I have to pay some of these guys to tell them I have to give them something in order. I love you! You know, every time, you know, which is okay. My wife teaches our kids that whenever we go to the movies or Disneyland or dinner, they all of them—my biological kids, my adopted kids—all of them always, 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 when we get on the vehicle, they say, "Thank you, Dad." We we'll take it to another day. Thank you. That's a good thing. But they could take it to another level. See, they don't just don't think. God knew that, and God saw that, and He says, "He says this this man's got going on." And that's where true worship begins. When you come to the house of the Lord, when you are in communion with God. See, this is why I love Psalm 103. If you ever hear me praying the times that I come on Mondays, or if you ever hear, I'm always, you're always going to hear me quote that Psalm, Psalm 103. In that Psalm, David starts with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. And he goes on, Bless the Lord, O my soul. For he knows all of your iniquities. He heals all of your diseases. Bless the Lord of my soul. See, he's making it all about God. He doesn't start, Lord, God, you know how much I've been suffering, Lord. Bless the Lord of my soul. You You know why Psalm 23 is so powerful? Psalm 23 is so powerful because of when he wrote it. What makes that Psalm powerful is when he wrote it. Anybody know when he wrote it? His son Absalom, his own son, his own flesh and blood, his older son had taken away his kingdom. And not only taken away his kingdom, but he kicked them out. In fact, Absalom publicly took all his concubines to the rooftop and raped them all. David, as king, could have killed him. But he leaves downcast. And as he's leaving, when you go up, Jerusalem is in a hill. We came up from Jericho uh, to Jerusalem. It is it is an uphill climb. And when David is leaving, his his with his people following him, his wives, and his, his, he looks back and he says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because that psalm was about God. And Solomon sets a pattern here of worship. That true worship begins by acknowledging and recognizing who God is. Even if God is asking you, What do you want? Lord, with all due respect, it's not what I want right now. It's about you. It's about you, who you are. You are the the almighty. Hallelujah. You are the one that spoke the word. Hallelujah. And the whole universe was created. I've heard a lot of people and especially young people pray, God, give us a word. You have to be very careful when you ask that. You know why? God's word is progressive. What does that mean? That means that what God says happens. So if God says, your shirt is white, it's gonna turn white. So when you say, God, give me a word, you better be careful. Because if that word comes to you, it's gonna do what that word says. It's like uh, what's his name, Scissor Hands? What what's his name? Edward Scissorhands. You guys are going like, What? What do you mean Edward Scissor Hands? Edward Scissorhands had to be real careful how he handled stuff. Because if he wasn't careful, what would happen? He cut up people left and right. So I'm not going to say, hey, Edward Hands, let's play patty cake. Because he's going to cut me. But sometimes we do that with God. God, give me a word. And the word might be, you better be broken right now. We better be careful when we ask God. Because his His word is powerful. This is why the first step to true worship is about God. See, you're safe. You're safe when, when you pray and you worship. It's all about God. You can't go wrong there. Because you're saying, you are the Almighty. You are the only one. There was none before you. There shall be none after you. You are the first and the last. You're sitting at the right hand of the throne of grace. Hallelujah. See, it's that it's going to come out of God's mouth. Is, what do you want? See, I'll put a smile. Okay, Lord. Not yet, though. But but have got right here, okay? Just not yet. All right, Lord? And the Lord loves that. And that's the first step to true worship. That's the first pattern. Somebody say amen. Now watch this. Let's move on because there's more. Solomon's wisdom continues to reveal what true worship is. Watch this. The Lord asks, God asks in verse 5, what do you want? Solomon does not respond to that question until verse 9. He doesn't respond on verse 6. Verse 6, he says, it's all about you. It's all about you, Lord. Verse 7, it's all about you. 8, It's all about you. Not until verse 9. Probably because God said, okay, okay, all right, all right, all right. But in verse nine, watch this. Watch this is so awesome. Solomon finally addresses that question in verse nine. When God asks, "What shall I give thee?" the king replies, "Give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours?" True worship not only touches the heart of God, but it also changes. How God acts. After this exchange. After God asked him. What do you want? And finally in verse 9. Solomon says. Give your heart. Give your servant an understanding heart. The Bible says in verse 10. The very next verse. Look look, look at what it says. It says that Solomon's speech. Pleased the Lord. That Solomon had asked this thing. The answer pleased the Lord. Now the Hebrew word for pleased is the word Yatab. Yatab literally means to find favor. In other words, this is what verse 10 actually says. That King Solomon's speech found favor with the Lord. In other words, true worship moves you from being blessed by God to finding favor with God. See, some Christians are content with just being blessed. Once I found out what favor is versus blessing i don't want blessings. i want favor and god is saying right here he says i like what i heard so you found favor you found favor in me now watch this what does this mean what does that even even mean pastor i'm glad you asked it means that before satan could steal your blessing but now God's favor declares Satan, you can't touch this. Can Satan steal blessings? Yes, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And the Lord blesses you. And and the devil can take, can steal your blessing. Some of us have gone through that. But once it goes from blessing to favor, he can't touch it. Some of you are not getting it yet. Because if you get, you'll be climbing up the walls. Because God's favor. Goes far beyond the blessings. And we know this because. In verses 11 through 14. God reveals to the king. Since you have asked for this. Since you have asked for. Understanding heart. And not for long life. And not for wealth for yourself. And you have not asked for the death of your enemies, uh, but for discernment uh, in administering justice. He says, I will do what you have asked. uh, Hallelujah. But I will give you a discerning heart. uh, Hallelujah. That's what you want. That's what I'm going to give you. But what does it say in verse 13? Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for. See, blessings, uh, when you get blessings, blessings you get them because you ask for them. Favor, you get stuff that you don't ask for favor you get stuff and you get things uh, hallelujah Lord I didn't even think about asking that but you gave it to me hallelujah somebody say amen hallelujah your neighbors going wondering why, why the heck is he or she getting all that stuff uh, You know, hallelujah I don't know about them I'm, I come to church maybe sometimes more than they do hallelujah I have more knowledge of the scriptures maybe I do uh, maybe I, I participate why are they getting more stuff uh, hallelujah go ask them why are you getting more stuff I didn't even ask for it oh yeah you're blessed but I found favor. Because you have to ask for your stuff. See, grandchildren have found favor. Children, children are just blessed. Grandchildren, they found favor. Because all they do is they, they go, Tata, I love you, Tata. <laughs> but I didn't ask for anything. You don't have to ask it here. You want it or not? Yeah, okay. That's what favor does. I hear my son and my and my daughter-in-law talking, you know, oh yeah, Tata lets you do whatever he wants. I don't, I don't. But, but I will admit, all she has to do is just look at me. Here you go, girl. That's why she's not, she's not afraid to ask me for anything. Sometimes I look at her, well, what did you just ask? me? I'll tell you again. You know, if if my kids ask me for something and I and I make a face, where I go, what? They're like, whoa, I shouldn't have asked for that. And some of them will, oh nothing, nothing that's right nothing but the grandkids what did you just ask me I'll tell you again you didn't hear I said what that's favor and Solomon discovers that true worship begins with acknowledging who God is hallelujah and once you acknowledge who God is God is not only telling. God is not only te- going to give you what you ask for. He's going to say, "I'm going to also give you what you don't ask for." My last, my last 20 years. That's how I felt. I would, I would tell you that 99.9% of the things that the Lord has given me, I haven't asked for them. I just know I need them. Oh yes, Lord. I was about to ask you about that, but since you provided, okay. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. What's the next thing? You are God of gods and Lord of lords. You are the mighty God, the everlasting father, wonderful counselor. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. So favor, he says, God says, uh, uh, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commandments, uh, command says, as David your father did, he says, I will give you long life. And that, my brother, is favor. True worship not only moves the heart of God, but true worship also moves the hand of God. When you first acknowledge who he is, it moves his heart. And after you acknowledge who he is, it moves his hand. And he moves you from blessing to favor. See, as I was writing this, the Lord reminded me, I've had people come and ask me, how do you find favor? And you've been looking for favor. And the Lord says, all you got to do is worship me. Out of the three first kings, Saul, David, and Solomon. Even though Even though Solomon found favor, David had a lot more favor. Because all that man did, day and night, was to worship the Lord. Even when his his, his own wife rebuked him, he still worshiped the Lord. And if you read the Psalms that he wrote, it's all about God. It's not about him. It's not about even the problems that he was going through. It's all about God, because even when He says, "Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death," he says, "I will fear no evil." You know, and then He says, "You know why I won't fear no evil? Because He is what? He's with me." See, it's about God. You know, I was sharing this with uh, the church last night because it it came to me; it wasn't on my notes, but it, the Lord gave it to me. You know the story. The people of Israel are in the wilderness. They're about to go into battle. And God says to Moses, Go up to the mountaintop and raise your hands. He says, And every time you raise your hands, Israel is going to be victorious. And every time you lower your hands, they're going to start losing. Oh, and he tells them, And take Aaron and Ur with you. See, Moses probably, Why do you want me to take it, I didn't tell him why. I just told him to take him with me. So they go up there. And Joshua begins to fight out. The people. And Moses raises his hands. That's a sign of worship. And Israel begins to. Live. Then Moses gets tired. He puts his hands down. His arms down. So Israel begins to lose. So he picks it up again. And Israel begins to. So finally. He says to Aaron. You get the left. You get the right. And they both held his arms. Until Israel won. You know what the names of Aaron. And Ur. mean? One. One means praise and worship. The other one means. In the mountain. Still Take the mountaintop. And praise and worship. What's gonna sustain you up there is gonna be the mountaintop and praise and worship. See, when you come to the house of God, you literally, spiritually come to the mountaintop. Where did Solomon go to sacrifice? High places. There's a reason for that. Can God see everything? Of course he can. But he would tell him to go to the high places. This is why Jerusalem is in high place. So that the whole world can see it. If the high places are high, it doesn't matter where you're at. Jerusalem, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you come in. You'll see it. So it's not so that God could see it. It's so that the people could see it. And God is inviting you today. God is inviting me today. Go to the mountaintop. Don't wait for the music to start. And, and, and the brother and the sister start jumping and dancing. There's nothing wrong with that. That's one way to get praise started. You want to get worship started? Make it all about God. Lord, I just give you all the glory because you are the man. You're the man with the plan. You're my all in all. Lord, I no longer feel, uh, uh, you know, it's no longer about me. What is the character trait? And I'm going to finish with What is the character trait when it's always about me? See, when we are selfish, this is what's going on in the spirit in the soul. When we are selfish, we are sitting in the throne of our soul. And God is on the outside. Let me in. When it's all about me, God is not even in the picture. God is in the outside window. And you come by, what's going on? Oh, I'm just waiting for them to let me in. End. But isn't this your church? It's supposed to be. It's all about God. When we come to the house of God, and it's not about running and jumping, it's about you coming here and you just say, Lord, it's all about you. I came here today not because of the preacher, not because of the music. It's all about you.